I sit here and I can't believe that it happened. And yet I have to believe it. Nightmares or dreams. Madness or sanity. I don't know which is which. Welcome to Horror Hidden Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. What's up, everyone? I'm Steve. And today we're going to be covering Let's Scare Jessica to Death from 1971. So, enjoy. I figured... Since right before we get into the plot, I want to know, how did you guys hear about this movie? Fuck, I don't even remember. We, um, I I feel like we just came across it when we were looking for stuff to cover, like, years ago when we were doing the podcast, um, and I know that we had shown it to Erica. I remember when we found this movie. It was when we were, because we were, like, looking at the different decades, and we were going to originally do the decades in history, and that's when that one... I'm pretty sure that's when we stumbled across this particular movie was when we were looking into different movies in the different decades. So that was probably like, what, three years ago? It was a while ago. And we never watched it, so this is the first time we watched it. (laughs) It, It's one that we kept like repeatedly saying, oh, we're going to cover Let's Scare Jessica to Death, and we would make a schedule and we would put it on there, and for some reason we just never got to covering it. So when we were deciding to bring the show back, um, that's one of the ones that... Sierra's like, yeah, we have to cover this movie, and we, um, yeah, we decided to do it. Well, it's funny, too, because, like, um, uh, we were, like, talking about, like, movies to cover, and we already knew we were doing Messiah of Evil, and he's like, what movie do you want to cover? Because we were, we were talking with you, and we didn't know if we were going to do two movies in an episode, or what, how we were going to do it, and he's like, like, what movie would you want to cover with it? And I was, like, sitting there, and I was like, um... Uh, what's the one of the, that one called? And he's like, which one? I was like, you know, the one. We always talk about doing it. And he was like, and he knew exactly what I was talking about. Was that scared Jessica to death? So it was an an easy one to to throw out there. So which you missed? Well, I'm happy that I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, I'm I'm happy that we we are finally getting to talk about this movie because my introduction to this movie. Um, I just watched it recently for the first time. Uh, I got the new imprint films release from the archive Vinegar Syndrome. But I had known about this movie for quite a few years because Wade McNeil, guitarist of Alexis on Fire, used to do this video segment at Suspect Video in Toronto 
called Video Clerk, where he would just pick out various occult horror and uh, exploitation films and just talk about them. And he said it was the scariest movie that no one has ever really seen. And I remember them showing a trailer on it, and I was like, fuck, this looks kind of creepy. But I always like put it off and never got around to it. So then when I saw that new imprint films release, I was like, all right, I'm going to scoop this up. And then you guys, you know, wanted to reboot the podcast. And when you had thrown this title in, I was like, fuck, now is my chance to finally watch this movie. And I'm so happy that we got here to finally watch and talk Let's Scare Jessica to death. It's really funny, too, because I remember messaging you and I was like, hey, I think we have a list of movies that we want to cover, so, like, any ones you want to jump on for, let me know. And I think that you had said, before I even told you what the movies were, you were like, oh, if this is a reason for me to open my Let's Scare Jessica to Death uh, Blu-ray, then I'm in. And I'm like, I didn't even tell you that was a movie, but, yes, that is one of the movies. Good timing. Good timing. Yeah. No, yeah, so I'm glad that we did finally get to cover it because it's one that we've been wanting to talk about for a while now. The movie was released in 1971. It was written and directed by John D. Hancock. Uh, it starred Zora Lamper as Jessica, Barton Heyman as Duncan, Kevin O'Connor as Woody, and Mary Claire Costello as Emily. Um, big thing that I've noticed uh, just taking notes and watching the movie is that it really has a very small cast. And a lot of the people that were in the movie, like the townspeople, aren't credited on IMDb for the movie. I'm not sure if they were credited at the end of the movie or not, but it really made me think about it afterwards because the movie, the the setting for the movie is very isolated, and I feel like that's a pretty big theme in the movie. And I didn't really put that together until I was taking notes, and I'm like, yeah, there really wasn't that many characters in the movie. There was this main group of four people that were the the key people in the movie, and there was really nobody else in the movie that was super important, other than for exposition. I would say that there was one more character that was important, and it was the girl in the white dress that she kept seeing. Yeah. The movie follows Jessica. Uh, She's just gotten out of a psychiatric hospital. And her husband, and I don't, was was the guy that they were with a friend of theirs, or was it a doctor? It's a friend. It was just a friend. Friend. Okay. Yeah. Um, they get this house in the country, uh, I think it was on an island or something, because they had to take a ferry yeah, to get there. Yeah, out in Connecticut. Yeah, and they, they go out to this place, they buy this place to basically start over. It's explained that the, the husband was a doctor who spent all of his money to get this house to get Jessica out of the city and like focus in a on more her. peaceful area. Yeah. Um, so Jessica starts to hear voices again, see things again, and I don't think she ever stopped hearing voices because, like, right from the get go, you hear her being like, "Don't tell them, don't yeah. don't tell them what you're seeing, don't tell them, like they're gonna think you're sick again." But it starts out with her. <laughs> talking to herself in her head mm-hmm. and that's the main um the main dialogue that we get so much like the movie we covered last week messiah of evil which steven it's funny it i was thinking the same thing that you had messaged me before um this movie and messiah of evil have a lot of similarities so it's really funny that we, oh, did, yeah. we did cover them back to back but the movie starts out with jessica on a boat and it's the end of the movie but you get this dialogue and narration. But the the start of the movie, when they stop at the cemetery, all of the 
voices that she's hearing in her head are her own voice. It's her own inner dialogue. And as the movie progresses, she starts to hear other voices. And she, you kind of see her descend into madness. Uh, yeah, I think that... Um, Is that it for plot breakdown? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, the I general mean, plot of the movie. Yeah, I mean, she, she... The visions that she's having and the voices she's hearing progressively get worse and worse until... There, there's a, a, pic, a picture that they find in the attic, and it's of the woman who had lived at the house before them, who had supposedly drowned in the lake. They never found her body, but when they bring it to an antique dealer who they're trying to sell it to he tells the story about it and he says that he believes she's still alive and she's a vampire and she's still in the house or whatever so jessica's visions start to kind of follow what the antiques dealer had said there was a woman in the house named emily who was squatting there when they had got to the house and she looks a lot like the woman that's in the picture that they found and she is revealed later on through at least Jessica's mindset to be the woman who drowned in the lake who is a vampire and she's fed on all these townspeople and Jessica's husband and go, comes for Jessica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. This is an interesting take too because like the whole vampire aspect, I was not expecting that. Yeah. Like I thought it was just some like ghost haunting her. And then they introduce Emily, and then, like you said, when they go to the antique dealer, and the whole lore comes out, and then Emily is clearly looking like the girl in the picture, it's just like, oh shit, maybe she is a vampire. Or is she? Because the whole underlying theme of this is like dealing with um, mental health, Mm -hmm. and is this all really happening? Or is this all in Jessica's head? And it's really hard. It's it's left open for interpretation, you know? Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because the way the the way the plot unfolds is the things that Jessica sees and the things that are happening are happening to her after so for example, like you said, Steven, it, it's very much made to feel like a ghostly presence throughout the movie. But as soon as they talk to the antiques dealer who says, oh, I think she's a vampire, suddenly it turns to a vampire plot. Now, could it be that the lore that they have for the small town is true and she actually was a vampire living in the house and feeding on these people? Possibly. But yes, it's left open-ended, like you said, and it's, you know, it's up for the audience to interpret well, I think, too, is um, in the movie, Jessica herself is doubting her sanity and questioning herself. I mean, I think it, it was towards the very end. She, like, more, the last narration you hear is um, she says, I sit here and I can't believe that it happened, and yet I have to believe it. Dreams or nightmares, madness or sanity, I don't know which is which. So, like, the whole movie, she's questioning it herself. And, like, I feel like she talks herself down from it a lot, too, and, like, her husband also <laughs> does not help the situation at all. He like very clearly has no, I don't know. It's like he tries to do this big thing to kind of help her like recover and be in a better place. But like th- the second they get there, he's like cheating on her or what? Like he doesn't want to deal with her her problems at all. Like he, he is not at all trying to help her get better. He's more annoyed and agitated with her. And I feel like, um, 
That's probably not the best way to deal with somebody who just had, like, a psychiatric break. Yeah. And the, the, a big theme in the movie, too, is paranoia and, obviously, anxiety that Jessica mm-hmm. was having. But you get you get ideas of this through her dialogue as well, because when she's talking to herself in her head, when her husband looks at Emily, he she's thinking, like, oh, he wants her. He mm-hmm. likes her. He He's interested in her. And it, you get these, like, glimpses of paranoia that she has. But throughout the whole movie, she's smiling, playing it off like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she definitely... Um, it, it was always... I think this movie was really cool in that way. Because it, it's... You are literally seeing, like... Um, I feel like everybody runs themselves through scenarios like that in their heads. You know, to an extent where, like, even if you're upset about something, you put on a brave face or whatever. So it was, like, interesting to actually see that depicted in a movie. Like, those internal thoughts that I think most people probably do have. Um, And them just kind of smiling through it to make sure that nobody sees that they're breaking. You know? And I, I, that's sad on its own. (laughs) I think to add on to um, what you were saying, Sarah, um... So Zora Lambert's performance, uh, it was amazing. Like if you see like her, her facial expressions and like just the way she gets excited when she first sees Emily, she's like, "See, see, I'm not, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy." Like she really just knocks it out of the park and just makes all of this so believable. Yeah, and you, it's it's interesting too because you see how much she wants that reassurance that she's not crazy and it's in that part exactly like you said when she they first see emily uh woody the friend that's with them is like oh i saw it too jessica and you know if i just bought a house and i went in there and i saw somebody run at the top of the stairs i'd be terrified but she's like smiling ear to ear and she's telling her husband like i i'm not crazy i did i did see it there was somebody there there was somebody there i think though with what you just brought up like it's like heartbreaking in a way because like you said like jessica's gets startled because she sees her run up the stairs and not even her husband like her husband's friend is the one comforting her to make her feel secure about it oh he was the real mvp in this movie. oh woody was the only decent character outside like jessica and woody were were the only decent people in the entire movie like her husband was a piece of crap yeah her husband was like flirting with emily and jessica gets upset obviously and is like i'm going to bed and woody says like go take care of your wife like yeah like very sternly and yeah i think that he was really the only one there that had jessica's back absolutely and even when later on in the movie you'll see emily like he initially liked emily and it was like okay they're both single cool like that's fine and then like later on she comes back and like like hits on him and he's like i i see what you're doing with my friend i'm not dumb yeah Yeah. woody's the good the best character yeah she really um she she Emily, she I, she really goes out of her way to fuck with Jessica. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's another scenario where is she really this evil and maniacal, or no, she's just is a this woman. Just Jessica's parent, <laughs> or is this just Jessica's paranoia? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that's what it is having female that's friends. That's the thing that really fucks with you. Yeah, and. There's a part, too, in the movie specifically that I, I wanted to talk about, and that's when Emily and Jessica go down to go swimming, and Emily pushes Jessica in the water, which Jessica is afraid of the water because she saw what we come to find out is the body of Emily or the woman that drowned in the lake 
that lived in the house before them. So Emily's, af or, I'm sorry, Jessica's afraid of the water. Emily pushes her in the water to mess with her. And Jessica ends up seeing this dead person again. So she goes back to the house and she locks herself in the room and she's having this breakdown and you hear this voice and she hears this voice in her head but we hear it too and it's saying like i'm i'm here i'm still here i'm always gonna be here and to me i interpreted that as her mental illness or her anxiety depression whatever it is that she was dealing with is telling her i'm always gonna be here it's i, I believe it is emily's voice that is saying it and it's supposed to be like the ghost is still there or the ghost of emily is still there but to me I, I interpreted it as her mental illness is still there and she ends up just having this break because she realizes that yeah she is always going to have that there with her so it's very the it's a very sad moment in the movie and a very deep moment of the movie but it's also very well done in putting you in her shoe because the whole time it's like you're having that same anxiety that she is as it's happening Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly what this movie feels like. Just constant dread and anxiety. Uh, especially, like, when um, Emily's coming out of the lake towards Jessica. It's a very anxiety-induced scene. Like, I was genuinely creeped out. I was like, this is very fucking unsettling. Also, like, the score yeah. mixed with, like, the whispering... That combination itself is enough to, like, kind of creep you out. Yeah, so the the movie, I feel like it's, I feel like we're taken on the same journey that Jessica is. And what I mean by that is the beginning of the movie when they first get to the town, it's very peaceful. The music is this guitar score that's very calm and relaxing and, you know, they're in there's the woods and you can hear the birds at night you can hear the cicadas and it's a very calm relaxing happy place and as the movie goes on the score you end up getting these like synth horror like very creepy tracks and everything around you just starts to feel more anxiety inducing if that makes sense yeah so yeah it just kind of picks up yeah so i feel like the writing for the movie is a plus because it, it really puts you in jessica's shoes for the entire movie to the point where at the end of the movie she's questioning what's real and what's not and the viewer is also questioning what's real or what's not when she's having these mental breakdowns the viewer is feeling anxiety when she's feeling peaceful and happy the viewer is feeling peaceful and happy and i think that it's really well done in that aspect yeah i i completely agree and um you know there's just so many good shots too uh one one shot in particular is uh and i think they go back to the shot a lot but the shot of the victorian house where they're staying with like the fog like wrapped around it mm -hmm. it's just such a classic horror shot that you can find in Universal Monsters or even like the Hammer films. But no matter what era of horror, all you need is an unsettling house, castle, etc. with some fog to set up some atmosphere and you've got yourself some, you know, good horror vibes. And anytime it would focus in on that Victorian house, I was just kind of like, 
so drawn in. Almost like almost like Amityville Horror, the way the house just draws you in there. That's how I felt about this house in a way. I almost felt like the house was a character in itself. Yeah, and funny thing about that, um, so when I was looking into this movie, there wasn't a lot of facts about the movie, but one thing that I did find was that uh, the first night that they had gotten to the house to film, it was foggy outside, so all of those like B-roll footage shots that you see of the house with the fog around and everything were from the first night that they were there. They went out, they rushed out, set the cameras up, and... Um, shot everything then the house is smart of them to do that because it was a very effective shot according to this uh, the house is vacant right now and it's in Connecticut so you should visit it it's uh, you Steven not the listener (laughs) yeah you Steven because that's not too far I think I might Um, Uh, it's yeah I mean I I go out to Connecticut with Nick often it's in Old Saybrook every few months and it's called the I wonder how Poynowski House. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to look into that because I, I kind of want to visit that area. The only other uh, thing that I found that was interesting about the movie um, as far as like trivia facts or fun facts was... Uh, so John D. Hancock, who wrote and directed the movie, was actually hired on to direct Jaws 2 based on the scenes in the lake of Jessica finding the dead woman in the lake. He was fired from directing Jaws 2. I'm not sure why I didn't look that far into it, but I thought that that was interesting. Actually, I I, um, I do know why, because this was on the extras in my Blu-ray. Uh, I guess the story he wanted to take with Jaws 2 was considered too dark for them. And that's why he got let go. Do you know what the story was? Which I'm like, what? What? Why? I mean, it's Jaws. It's still, it's still horror. I don't know. Do you know what the story was that he was I trying to do? Been... No, they, they, they didn't specify just the fact that he was going in too much of a dark direction. So they just like, we're not really down with the idea. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> what I just found out while looking up the house from the movie is that the interior of the house was a different house the, the where they filmed inside it was not the same house as the exterior that you see gotcha fucking hollywood magic but you can visit the house it is abandoned and right across from a car dealership on a highway really yeah interesting yeah i mean in 1971 that's kind of less suspense uh, it says that it's surrounded by a few acres of vegetation and it's mostly overgrown but like there's like i guess on the other side of the highway there is a dealership where you can see the tower from it um you can get to the house but like it is very overgrown kind of sad i'm not going to recommend that anybody goes and breaks into the house unless you know that's their choice not me (laughs) recommending it but it is there. You can see it. Um, uh, one scene I wanted to point out real quick. Um, when they're having dinner and they're having the steak and Jessica looks down and uh, the voices in her head are telling her it's blood. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Joel Schumacher had maybe seen this and coined that idea for like when Michael's eating the maggots. And David's like, you're eating Michael, Matt. Uh, you're eating maggots, Michael. How do they taste? 
I just couldn't help but make those two parallels, and I'm just I'm very curious as to know if Joel Schumacher drew some inspiration from that scene because that's that's what the scene uh, totally reminded me of. I I think it goes back to um, what we had talked about last week with uh, all these people taking inspiration from these earlier movies. It, it's definitely possible that that was a something that they had drawn inspiration from much like we had picked out a lot of inspiration from messiah of evil i think that there was less present as far as inspiration that i saw in this movie than i agree messiah of evil but i I feel like this movie was very much its own unique thing um one thing that i do want to talk about is something that i know is often attributed to texas chainsaw massacre so you'll probably love this here but I'm trying not to bring it up and yell at me whenever I do. Um, so, what, what's interesting with this movie for me is that a lot of the creepiest scenes take place during the day. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I do find it interesting when movies can make daytime events scary. Mm-hmm. Because horror, as everyone knows, is often, you know the scary things that dark and gloomy but in this it almost seems like nighttime is when the least amount of things are happening Mm -hmm. I agree and maybe that's because that's a pretty good observation and maybe that's because Jessica's asleep at night and the whole thing's in her head I disagree I don't think it's in her head you just sound just like her (laughs) husband (laughs) no I I sincerely don't think it's in her head Dylan's making some really good points tonight that's because he's Jessica. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I don't think it's in her head. I think that they're legitimately vampires. That's how I'm viewing the movie. And the only reason I'm going to say that is because um, everybody else sees the person, sees the girl. So, like, if it was in Jessica's head, nobody else would see Emily. Well, the things with that is they, they sell the picture to the antique dealer. And, like, nobody but- recognized her. Right, but then the picture shows up in their attic again. Mm-hmm. And that's when Jessica sees the picture and says, oh, it's Emily in the picture. And she tells Emily, like, oh, it's you in the picture. Also, the the weird interactions that Jessica has with Emily are when nobody's around. So, like, when they go swimming. Well, that's because oh, she's two-faced. She do be two-faced, though. She is. She's, she's first off, hitting on her husband. Secondly, hitting on her friend Woody, trying to drown her ass in a lake, and she's dead and lying about it. She's lying about everything, I, and she's a and she's a ginger. Oof. You can't trust her. Um, no, I I think that it to argue whether or not it was in her head or not is kind of just a. A circle, talking in circles. Well, this is what I'm going to say: is that if it's in her head, it's a scarier movie. If it's if it's legitimate vampires, it's a less scary storyline than somebody like going insane slowly, and like knowing that they're insane, and all of the characters being aware that they're insane and not believing them. Like, put yourself in that position where you're where you're Jessica, and you've already had a mental break, and you're terrified something bad's happening around you, and nobody's going to believe you because you're just not a, li- a, a reliable source. And you have to convince everyone around you that this is what's happening, and no one's going to save you. And you're on an island, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the island fairy guy won't even let you on the boat. <laughs> Not for you, he said. <laughs> no, that, that is an interesting... Yeah, she's, like, stuck on the... Yeah, that is an interesting point, though, that that does make the movie scarier if mm-hmm. it if it's not real mm-hmm. she's on her own um, also something that I think is interesting in this movie is um, I feel like they make light about like m- like more morbid situations like they're driving a hearse that says love on the side um, she's tracing yeah like tombstones. she's happily like she's like playing in the cemetery tracing tombstones and like hanging them up and talking about how pretty they are in her in her bedroom and like looking at them at night and so jessica's definitely a peculiar a peculiar lady she's an og goth but like i'm not gonna lie after she like like did the the rubbings of the tombstones i was like i could do that that would be fun (laughs) um uh, i was thinking you know with emily being a vampire and everything and that how is she out during the day? Obviously. Well, not even just that. I can get past the whole day thing, but the the wounds on the people in the town. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, bit of a yawn there. Uh, there's. It's not like bite marks. It's, it looks like she slashed just, them with a razor. It's as if she's like taking yeah with the knife and then she's just like kind of I don't know sipping on the blood maybe? yeah like maybe she like licks the very, blood up <laughs> very interesting take for a vampire well it's weird though too because it does show her biting them like she always goes in for the neck thing when she's like you know she seduces them and then goes in for the neck so you would assume that there would be bite marks but yeah you're you're absolutely right there's always like a, almost yeah, like, a, ra- like, like a perfectly razored slash mark but from the ear down the neck um yeah there's not a lot of did you notice that blood. all the times people are men? There's not a single woman in town other than Emily and Jessica. I did not, but no, I did not. So she's seducing men for her cult, which makes me believe even further <laughs> she is definitely a vampire. So you think she's just killing the women? I don't think Jessica. No, I don't think. I think that she seduces the men to come there. I don't think Jessica's crazy. I think that she might have had a mental break, but I do think that she is better. And I think that the whole narration is not her slowly going insane. I think it's her being like, no, Jessica, like, you're good. You got this, girl. Like, you're not crazy. This is really happening. Like, look at Woody, dead on the tractor. He's dead as a doornail. Like, no questions about it. I don't think Jessica's crazy. I think you guys are jerks just like Duncan. (laughs) Well, since it's still, it's like, it's still an interesting take. And again, really good writing because... It could either be Jessica's descent into going mad, or it could be Jessica's redemption story. You could look at it two different ways. She got off the island. She took a boat, and she rode that thing across the thing, and then beat her husband back into the water. Like a champ. She won. I had a feeling it was the husband when, you know, there's the POV of it whoever coming out of the mm-hmm. boat and you're gonna th- you're thinking it's Emily and she's got like the hook or whatever and she just starts swinging I was like it's gonna be her husband it's gonna be her husband and sure enough do you think and then there's the whole town watching yeah and they kind of just walk away they're like yeah okay whatever we're done with her um do you think Jessica goes to prison after this 
I mean, who's going to believe her? Even if she is uh yeah, She definitely goes to prison is what you're saying. Or she's going to be in a mental ward for the rest of her life. I, yeah, probably not. She's going to be like going, the police are going to get her and be like, yo, you killed your husband, you drowned him in the water, beat him with a paddle. And she's going to be like, no, there was vampires. And they're going to be like, girl, no, there wasn't. <laughs> Haven't you been here before? But another thing to prove that Jessica's not crazy. <laughs> when they got on the ferry to go across, the man who wouldn't let her on the ferry coming back he was like, oh, where are you heading? And they're like, oh, we just bought a house. And they told him the name of the farm. And he he looked terrified. And they were like, oh, do you know that place? And he's like, yeah, I know it. We'll be there soon. And walked away. Like, come on. He knew. Maybe. No, he did know. I Like I, I mean, said, I think no, arguing I, if it was real or not is just going to be a circle. Because there's arguments for both. And it's open-ended. There's no real answer. I'm going to tell you yeah. that there is an answer. I mean, to both, to credits to both of you guys, Dylan is right, but also in the aspect, Sierra makes a really good point because it's kind of just like in the original Dracula when Renfield first shows up to the town and he asks about Count Dracula's castle, you know, the whole town is like, what, what did you say? Like, you don't, you don't say that kind of like, yeah, we don't you know, talk about freaking that. Freaking out about it. And it's, and it's like the same scenario with the fairy movie. Yeah, I think it's very much so. I think it's a vampire story. And I and I think that the nice little addition of trying to trick people into thinking that she's mentally ill, Dylan, it's it's cute, but I'm not. I, I see through it. It's a vampire movie. Now, we spent... They're daytime vampires, though. We spent uh, all this time praising it. I am going to say some things that I didn't like about the movie. Um... It was very slow moving, and it was yeah. It all of the intensity was really in the last like twenty minutes of the movie, and the rest of it I was kind of just waiting for something to happen. I'm the opposite. I think I liked the beginning of the movie, and I didn't like the ending because although I believe it's a vampire movie, I like the other movie better. The ghost movie. I like. I loved I think that Jessica's inner thoughts made that movie scary I think nothing else the dead people none of it like her stumbling upon the dead body of the guy who ran the antique shop the woman in the white dress which we barely talked about her by the way the woman in the white dress that she follows into the woods you talk about the mute yeah. girl yeah I, I don't think any of those things made this movie as scary as Jessica's terrifying thoughts about her feeling that she's losing her mind again and she didn't want to you know what i mean like that was the scariest thing in this movie was her just sitting there going like you're okay but this isn't happening or don't tell them they can't know don't tell them they'll think you're crazy like having those intrusive thoughts constantly in your head is what only what i could imagine is god awful and not that, that compares like vampires not scary in comparison i don't think but it is a vampire movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I will admit, Dylan, it, it did at times drag. And um, if I had to make a complaint myself, it would be that that sometimes it, it does drag a bit. I, I did also. There were, there were times, like I said before, majority of the soundtrack was just like this acoustic guitar score. And it did have very creepy synth horror music to it. 
and I, I just wish there was a little bit more of that because there were times where the guitar score kind of didn't fit in with the scenes or what was happening in the movie. Um, there is one thing I will complain about in agreement. Well, not in agreement with anybody. Nobody else has mentioned it. The amount of times that Woody sprayed the apple orchard trees <laughs> in this movie was ungodly. You do not need that much pesticides on your apple, man. That that was uh, a really cool part, though, when she's running after the tractor, and then you see him like laid back with the like, blood. And... He was dead. Yeah, he, he was, was gooey. He was also, <laughs> she ran right through the pesticides. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, oh my god, don't do that. Yeah, when she was running through the pesticides, I was like, if Emily doesn't kill her, <laughs> that that's gonna, that's gonna, gonna do it. The pesticides. Yeah, yeah, like, for real. I was like, girl, that's how cancer happens. Stay out of that. Ugh, pesticides are nasty. You know, it's funny, too. Um, So, Jessica's husband, he's also, like, a musician, I think. Yeah, he plays, And he plays the mm -hmm. upright bass. Yep. So, when they first showed that, the case for the upright bass, I was like, huh, that could kind of pass off as a coffin. And then, sure enough, later, you find the dead mute girl in the upright bass case. Well, my favorite part about that bass case which I love to say, but my favorite part about it was in when they were on the ferry in the beginning, and he's like, who's in the back? And he's like, it's my mother-in-law. And, like, the guy, like, made a joke about it. That was really funny. The guy's like, I wish it was mine. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I like my mother-in-law. She's a nice lady. But I just thought it was, like, Yeah, funny. it's like the base case comes into play, and then, like, obviously I knew that knife was going to come into play at some point once Emily grabbed it. I hate Emily. She sucks, man. Just, just subtle little things, you know? You guys want to rate this movie? Oh, uh, yeah. I think I'm down to rate it. Yeah. it's. It, I feel bad because I feel like it, it was very, like, I don't want to say it was straightforward because, like, it, it is kind of open-ended in a way. But, like, I feel like it, it, it's a good movie, but it, like... Drags a little bit. It does. It does. It does. I feel like it could have been fixed, like, just to be like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, it's good, there's amazing aspects of this movie, but, like, I feel like the amazing things they did didn't play out how, as well as they could have. That's what I'll say. I'm gonna say something controversial right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that this movie could get a cool remake. I think the right person did it, yeah. I think add a little bit of eeriness, take out the the draggy parts and yeah yeah i think it could get a cool remake mm-hmm. no i agree i think this would be we, we always talk about this too and I, I feel like we've had this conversation several times at least um i think the, the trouble with remakes is typically it is the most popular films from the 80s you know that people are very diehard about if they started remaking movies like this they kind of flew under the radar a little bit nobody would be upset about it and it would, like, get people watching these older movies again, I think. Because, like, I at least I know I would want to check out the original. If, when, whenever I find out, like, oh, this is a remake that I'm watching, okay, let's go back and watch the original. Um, and I think that this is a good m- movie to watch. Um, even though it wasn't, like, my all-time favorite movie I've watched. There are such cool, like, the whole movie being inside Jessica's head, like, you really do 
feel what she's feeling. And not all movies can convey that type of, like, dread that she's feeling. And, and this movie did a great job of making you feel exactly what she was feeling throughout the whole entire thing. Like, whether she was happy or sad or frantic or whatever was going on, you knew exactly how Jessica's... Where, where Jessica's head at was at and I think that that was a very cool effect but like what it didn't do well was like I feel like it just was like that was the best part of it and then it kind of just like there was here's a vampire movie yeah it was a <laughs> vampire movie okay so what are you gonna rate it <sighs> I feel like this rating's really hard for me because I was I, I I feel like, honestly, maybe I would have liked it better if I didn't hype it up for so long, you know, because I was so excited to watch it for such a long time that, like, I had, like, this vision of it being, like, it was going to be, like, my new Carnival of Souls, like, where I watched it and I was like, wow, you know, like, floored by it, and although there's things about it that was just, like, incredible to me, it just didn't hit me as hard as I had hoped it would. Um, but it was still really good, and I do still think that it's worth a watch for anybody who likes horror. Um, I'm gonna go with a six, seven. A six point seven, or a six point seven. What you got, Stevie? Um, I think I'm coming in. All right, so my my final thoughts on this, I, I do think it is a pretty creepy movie. It definitely got under my skin at times, which doesn't happen too often, especially for, like, psychological horror. I don't know. It's mo normally not my favorite subgenre of horror, but this one this one did all right. You know, it, it, it genuinely creeped me out at times, so I have to give praise there. Uh, but there were some slow moments, and... Like you said, Dylan, the whole, you know, random guitar playing um, was misused um, for certain scenes where it should have been more of that whispering, creepy, early 70s, like, synth score. Um, but I think I'm coming in at a 7.7 .7 with this one. Uh, overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was creepy, but it was a little slow at times. And yeah, some, some moments the music took me out of it. I'm going to come in with a 6.5. Um, really, everything that you guys had said. I I think that the writing and the interpretation are amazing. Uh, I think that the acting was very well done. But I, I do wish that it didn't take so much dragging to get to the final act of the movie. Um, I there there are certain things that I think are necessary, and I do see what the movie was trying to do, but it could have done a little less of it, if that makes sense. So I'm gonna come in with a 6.5, and that gives our average a seven. That's fair. The IMDb average is a 6.4. So we rate it slightly higher. Yeah. We do that sometimes. Yeah, I think that our rating system is probably more accurate. So far that's superior. Fine. Yeah, it's far <laughs> superior. All right, Stephen, take it away. All right. Well, if you guys like what you're hearing, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud. Are we still on SoundCloud? No, right? 
We're on everything. All right, so dude. wherever you Spotify, listen to SoundCloud, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you guys listen to us, uh, it really helps the show out. Also, just want to give a shout out to other shows we've been checking out and are fans of and support us as well. Uh, Epic Film Guys, Brain Stew, Neon Brainiacs, My Dudes in Bad Taste Video, Creatures Features Pod. Give them all a like and a listen and a follow as well. Journey with a Cinephile. I'm going to throw that one in there. Cool. It's our boy David's podcast. Nice. He's the horror encyclopedia. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, stay tuned for what we are covering next, which will be announced. I think it's Insidious. Is it Insidious? It's Insidious. I think it's Insidious. I think we're doing Insidious with Larry. Nice. Oh, Lauren. <laughs> the return. The return. He's been on vacation for far too long. <laughs> You're still getting blocked. Yeah, we're things, good. Right? Good night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. We appreciate you guys and have a good night. I already said good night. Sorry, you could. You, I said it again. You could, you know, cut the whatever dead space we have in between. Oh no, I'm leaving the dead space in. Oh yeah, the awkward dead space in between. Yeah. Just do a voiceover and be like, "This is for awkward." This is for awkward. <laughs> Steve. Embrace. Can we add Larry saying like awkward things during those pauses? Oh God, no! <laughs> that would be. Stephen, you want to do like a long pause and then give your good night. Good night. E X I T. Exit. <laughs> Good night. Oh, oh, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>